Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Welcome, 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 welcome to Resurrection Sunday, Easter at TC. Look at your neighbor and say, it's good to see you today. Even if you've never seen him a day in your life, it's good to see them today, all right? I remember growing up, my dad used to take me hunting. Now, for the record, I don't hunt anymore. It's not a moral thing. Trust me, I have no problem eating meat, okay? Uh, I, I, but it, uh, it's waking up at 4 a.m. That's the part I don't care much for. He used to take me hunting, and, and I learned a lot in the woods with my dad. And he, uh, he uh, one time we were hunting, and he, was, he would always tell me, like, hey, pick your feet up. Don't drag, you know, drag my feet. And he's like, every deer in 60 square miles knows we're here. And the very first time I ever went hunting, I don't know why, I was probably nine years old. I was like, surely I need to smell good for this. <laughs> and so I went in my room and put on cologne, and I walked out. He said, did you just put on cologne? And I said, yeah. He said, go shower with this, like, deer soap or whatever. He's like, you got to get that off. And I was like, oh, gosh. So I went to that. We went to the woods, and I remember I, I reached down, and I grabbed a handful of acorns and seeds and stuff. And there's so many things that you don't really think about when you're surrounded by nature. And so I reached down, I had this handful of acorns, and so I was just kind of like messing up. I'm eight years old, bored in the woods, you know what I mean? Like, can we shoot something yet? That's where I was at. And so I grabbed the acorns and I throw them. And here's one thing I never really thought about. I never thought about any one of those acorns ever again. I want you to think for a second in your own life how many things that God has created that you just walk past. And here I am, I grabbed a handful of acorns, I, you know, I get done playing with it, I just throw it into the grass, never to be thought of again. And it reminded me of this, this seed one time that was planted. And the one that planted it, uh, he cared a lot about this particular seed. And so he's, he plants it, and, and though he's planted a lot of other seeds, there's this one in particular he's looking at. He's watching it. And, and so he makes sure that it gets just the right amount of water, just the right amount of sunshine, and there's other things growing around it. But this seed, man, he's watching it, and he's nurturing it, and he's caring for it. And he's, as he continues to take care of it, and, and decades go by, and it grows from a seed to a small plant, and eventually it starts to sprout leaves and, and kind of grows into a tree. And... And as I was thinking about all these things this past week, <clears throat> it reminded me in the Bible of two other trees. And if you'll go with me to the book of Genesis, I know today's Resurrection Sunday, but I want to start somewhere else and show you how we got here. Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. You can follow us on the screen if you don't have your Bible. And it says, Now the Lord had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man that he had formed in the middle of the garden, was the tree of life, say tree of life, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Say good and evil, right? And in verses 16 and 17, and then the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree. Say any tree. Any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die, right? And many of you know this story, but in, in the very beginning of our Bibles, the man then has a woman that is created for him. And if you know your Bible at all, the, the serpent, Satan, comes and he tempts Eve with the fruit. He says, just eat from it. And if you eat from it, you'll become like God. And what does she do? 
eats from it. Ladies, come on, man. Just kidding. She gives it to her husband, and what does the husband do? Eats it, yeah. Because when your wife tells you to do something and she's hungry, <laughs> listen to me, guys. She always wants French fries. I don't care what she said in that drive-thru, all right? Get her, get her hers or she's eating yours. All right, so anyway, so, so he, he, uh, he takes of the fruit. But this is the, this is the picture I want to create for you for just a minute. Because a lot of times we hear about the, the tree that Eve ate from, but we don't always hear about the tree of life that's sitting right next to it. And here, I want, to, I want you to think with me for a second. The sun is, is shining, and as the sun is shining, it's casting a shadow, and it's hitting the tree of life, and the shadow of the tree of life sits the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and here's the place that God brought me to in this passage, that, is that Eve is standing in the shadow of life and choosing death. She walked past all of what God created for her to eat and enjoy. She walked past all of God's goodness and in the shadow of life chose death. But that's not the only time that it happened. If you go later in the Bible to the book of Matthew, which kind of picks up where we are in this week, is Judas, right, is a disciple of Jesus, and he kind of does the same thing. You see, in Matthew 26, 14 through 16, the, then one of the twelve, the one called Judas, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver Jesus over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver, and from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. And this is so interesting to me because if, when we go to John chapter 14, this is what Jesus says about himself. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, right? And this is the same parallel that we get with Judas that we saw with Eve because it says that I am the way, the truth, and the what? Help me for a second. Life. So Judas is literally standing in the shadow of life himself and still chooses death. Now, I know some of you are like, this is the most depressing Easter sermon I've ever heard in my life. But I want to, I just want, I want to help you reflect for a moment. Because how many guys have read these parts of the Bible and been like, what knuckleheads? Anybody relate? Have you read these parts of the Bible and been like, not me? If I followed Jesus that whole time, I'd be good. If I was Adam and Eve, I wouldn't have messed that up. Right? Because here's the parallels that are created for us. Now, I'm not calling you Eve and I'm not calling you Judas today. So take a deep breath, okay? But what I am trying to introduce to you is the same concept that sits in front of us because let's not be too quick to judge Eve and Judas because if we're all honest, that is us. Like, for those of us who have had our eyes open to the beauty and the goodness of Jesus, how many of us will be honest enough, don't raise your hand because we don't want to call you out, but how many of us will be honest with ourselves 
to go, man, in the midst of knowing what life in Christ looks like, I have this habit of choosing death. In the midst of knowing that I could live in Christ free from shame, free from guilt, free from all these things, I still somehow manage to find myself choosing the things that continually destroy me. And if we were honest, I bet you would say it even gets to the point that you don't feel like you can come to God because you know you've let God down. I've been there. And, and this, is, this is the beauty of the gospel and how it works. Because here's the craziest part. Is that despite how maybe religious folks or, or Christians of the past have made you feel, Jesus never came for you to save yourself. But isn't that what we try to do? Like, I want you to think for a second, how often is your version of subconscious Christianity and the celebration of who Jesus is, how much you can get it right? And when you're not getting it right, you don't run to Jesus. Somehow you've, conv- you've been convinced, just like Eve and just like Judas, to run from Jesus. I want you to think with me for a second about this present reality that everything in your life that you've gone through, everything that you've been through, and everything that you've had happen to you in this life. The sins that are a part of you, I want you to think about this for a second. All of those things purchase for us, me and you, a one-way ticket to hell on our own good doing. I think about this for a second. And here's the best part about it, and this is what we celebrate this week is that Jesus in his goodness didn't look at you and go, man, this one's pretty much killing it right now. I think I need to help him along the way. Jesus looked at us on our worst day and said, that's the one I want. (laughs) He looked at you in the middle of your rap sheet, and I know for some of you, you grew up in church, and so like your rap sheet's not that impressive. I know for some of you, right? I know for some of you, people still laugh at the idea that you go to church now. Like when you post stuff on Facebook, you know people are rolling their eyes at you. Anybody in that crowd with me? Pastor Justin and myself have known each other since we were uh, 11 years old. And when people find out that we're pastoring a church together now, I mean, like, brother was dishing out fake Rolexes, replica Rolexes, sorry, sorry, replica Rolexes. So he's, he's selling and distributing. I was selling and distributing not Rolexes, all right? So, and here, here's the... The beauty of what Jesus did is he he looks at us, not on our best, not when we're killing it, not when we're making most of the good decisions and we just need help making a few better ones. He looks at us in our mess and goes, I'll die for that one. And this is the beauty because hear me, Jesus didn't come for you to make every right decision. If you could, he wouldn't have came. Now, I'm not giving you the green light to go do whatever. What I'm trying to expose to you is, it's different than Eve and different than Judas who didn't have grace on their side yet because Jesus had not come. Jesus has come now. 
And the grace that is afforded to you doesn't have to stop you in your tracks to consume you with guilt and shame, to make you run from Jesus. It gives you open access because of the cross where he died so that you could come running to him to know that when you fall, someone there is to pick you up. And when you're killing it, he's still there to make you better. And this is the Jesus that we serve. And so when we go to the story, Judas betrays Jesus. Jesus is tried. And so he's traded for a thief and a murderer, beaten and whipped with the cat of nine tails. He he's carries his own cross, has nails driven through his hands and his feet, a crown of thorn placed on his head, a spear driven into his side. And on the cross, he gives up his life for us. And if that present reality has never set in for you, don't let it be a fairy tale. Let it become your reality. That this isn't just a story we tell. It is a truth that we believe. So he is trying in Romans 5, 8. says, but God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not, it doesn't say when you were killing it, when you pretty much had it all together, it says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And on the cross, Jesus takes, I want you to think for a second, because of the sin in our lives, we were separated from God and destined to God's wrath. And Jesus on the cross took the wrath that was set aside for me and for you and in his own body and in his own spirit consumed what would have been ours. He didn't get rid of it. He consumed it. For you and for me. And so the beautiful picture, 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live in righteousness by his wounds. You have been, say that last word with me, healed. And so many times in church circles, we quote this verse, by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. And, and we, we use it for cancer, and we use it for sickness, and we use it for disease. And I believe that it can have a thin application over those veneers. But the reality is, our bodies don't need to be healed, our spirits do. The healing that he provides to us, though he is certainly capable of miraculous miracles on this earth, and we believe for them when he provides. But the greater healing we needed was a restoration between us and the Father. And so he substitutes, listen to me, our unrighteousness. And he, in turn, gives us his righteousness in its place. Romans 425, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Say justification. That word justified means <clears throat> just as if I'd never sinned. So he justifies us. And so he died so that you wouldn't have to experience eternal death. And, and today we celebrate the fact, listen to me, his death was miraculous in that we didn't have to experience hell, but it is because he defeated death with a resurrection that our death isn't final. We have an opportunity for our own resurrection into the spirit. What I mean by that is this. Jesus died 
so that you and I wouldn't have to experience eternal torment. His blood gives us access to the grace that we don't have to go to hell for eternity. And that's a celebratory moment right there, that he has given us access so that we don't have to experience that. But hear me, he didn't just die for us, he resurrected three days later. And today we celebrate not just that he died for us, but that he defeated death so that, hear me, you and I wouldn't have to fear death we may not want to die, but we know that who, those of us whose faith is in Christ, there's something on the other side of this that whenever all of this is done, we get to go to the place where the tears never flow again, where pain is never experienced again, where the Bible says he'll wipe every tear from my eye. There is a destination and there is a person we will worship forever. His name is Jesus and heaven is our destination. Death stopped us from hell, but the resurrection gives us heaven. And so we celebrate in what he's done. And I, I'm reminded of this story of, in, in John chapter 20, as we come to this place, Mary Magdalene is coming. And so Jesus has, has died. They've put him in the tomb. And, and Mary comes to him in John chapter 20, verses 14. And, and she goes there and she finds the tomb empty. She finds it empty and she, she begins to weep. And I want you to see this picture. These disciples, these people, Mary, has, they've, she's given everything to follow Jesus. And, and, and though he said he was going to die, surely something in them believed, like, but he's not really, right? I want you to think that everything you've ever given your life to, I want you to think every business you've ever started, the degree that you went after, whatever it is in your life that you care so much about, that you would give everything for it, that is exactly how these disciples and Mary felt about just following Jesus. And, and so even though they said he, he said it was coming to an end, there was still surely something in there that they were looking at each other and going, but it's not real, right? Like, he's not, he's not really going to leave. We've given everything to this. Like, he's not, surely he's not really going to leave. And he dies. And Mary goes to this tomb, and she's, she's standing at the tomb, and all she wants to do is see the dead version of someone she used to know. Because she's still clinging to what is behind her. And she gets there, and he's gone. She weeps. And in verse 14, at this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't even realize it was him. The very person she wanted so to, she didn't even realize it was him. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? What a ridiculous question. <laughs> I don't know, dog, I'm hanging out at an empty tomb, so... Why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, apparently bad eyesight in the Gospels. Thinking he was the gardener, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. She was so set on finding the dead Jesus, she did not realize she was standing in front of the living Christ. And in verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. Jesus said one thing. Mary. She turned toward him 
and cried out, Rabbanai, which means teacher. She, she recognized him. She didn't recognize him before, but in that moment she did. What changed? What changed for Mary that she went from hysterical and not recognizing who was standing right in front of her to all of a sudden weeping at the fact that he was still here? And what was it? He called her name. He called her name. And today, listen to me. For some of you, you have been standing in the shadow of life, consumed by death. Not temporary death. You may not feel like you're dying, but you know there's something in you that is not what it should be. And for some of you, over the last few days and weeks, as your grandma or your mom or your dad or your grandfather or an aunt or an uncle or a friend or someone has been praying for you, something has started changing right here. And it started a shift, and I want to tell you what it is right now. Jesus is calling your name. That where you are and where you have been does not have to be where you stay. He wants life for you, and you are standing in the shadow. And there's no better way we can communicate this than someone in our church, my buddy James, who has gone from the shadow to the light. Let's have a look at his story. My name is James Nicewanger, and I was an atheist. So I am uh, a combat veteran and I've seen a lot of um, things that a person shouldn't see at the age that I was, uh, a lot of death. And um, I thought to myself, because I was in a very uh, bad place, I thought to myself, then why does this all exist? Why is it all like always like this? Um, and I turned to science to try to find the answer to why life is the way it is. Then I would go after people who were also self-proclaimed non-believers. Uh, Carl Sagan was one of them, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Bill Nye, uh, yes, the science guy, the guy who uh, had the show back in the day. Um, and then you had uh, Lawrence Krauss. And I would read these uh, books, Richard Feynman was another one. I would read these books trying to put myself in their shoes and go, well, why didn't they believe? When I read these books, I was like, okay, hey, I can be like these guys. I tried to put it all together to where I realized like, I'm just going to degrade people. I would seek out debates to try to justify my atheism. It was basically on Facebook where I would argue uh, with people and we just got in a huge debate. That's what kept feeding my hunger to be an atheist is, uh, hey, you know, this isn't real, that isn't real. Um, and it just made things worse for me. At the end of the day, nobody won. When you are an atheist, there's nothing spiritually there to feed you. And when that is not there, you are, you're just an angry person. You're an empty person. You're, you're sad. You try, to, you try to live life through other people, but you can't. And yeah, it was just uh, an empty, bottomless pit of, give me that, give me that, give me that, give me that, and I never could feel it. 
never. So when I first met my wife, it was funny. Um, we were best friends at the time, and uh, she knew that I was atheist because I would proclaim that. And, you know, I was not uh, ashamed of it then, um, and she was not ashamed of her being a Christian. Um, so uh, me being the person that likes to go and try to debate people, um, I would tend to try to debate her all the time. She never lost faith in me. She never um, said, you know, just because you're an atheist, I can't be your friend or I can't be um, a person in your life. She just was very kind and very humble to me. My wife has a friend and uh, her name is Ray. And she said, hey, you need to come to this church. This church is great. Um, and we decided to, yeah, let's, hey, let's go check this church out. When I was going into church, uh, I was still closed off to the world. I was still putting my hands in my pockets. And, and then one Sunday I went and I remember standing there and I raised my hand as, as little of a notion that is. Um, and then I was just like, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to accept you. And it was just an overwhelming feeling. And I told my wife, I was like, I want to be baptized. And I want you to baptize me. <laughs> in the bathtub right now right and she's like uh well let's let's wait let's see what uh um let's see what the church has because they do baptisms and we, you all can be baptized together and i was like yeah that's a great idea because i'm ready you know how when you feel like you're lifting weights and you just pull those weights off and you just feel like oh man that was that was fantastic man and you have this pump about you because you just got all the weights off but you just feel great and, and refreshed. Um, that's how I felt when I came out of that water. A buddy of mine messaged me and he said, uh, I saw your video. I saw that you got baptized. And I was like, yes. And he's like, I can see that pain and that suffering come off your face. And he's like, I wanna know your story. I was like, I wanna know how you got to where you got to. Yeah, I would love to. And um, he, was, he was one of my friends in high school. Every day, we feel defeated, especially if we do not believe. That, that hunger inside your soul, it is there because you want something. And it will always be there if you do not accept Christ. I mean, it's night and day of how different you will feel, of how your hunger will go away, um, your anger, your darkness. I mean, He is the light and it, it just won't be there anymore. Basically, give God a chance. Savior bled for me, my Jesus sent me free. And look at the wounds that give me life, grace flowing from his side, no greater sacrifice. What he's done, what he's done, all the glory. sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. I praise God for what he's done. Sing for the freedom he has won. The death is dead and done. His life is overcome. Above all names, over every broken 
He put the seed in the ground, and as he put the seed in the ground, he, he watched it, he nurtured it. You see, what's special about this seed is that the one that planted it, he didn't just water it, he sent the rain that would water it. He didn't just make sure it got enough sunlight, he put the sun and moon and stars into space that would create the sunlight. And though he had his eyes on plenty of seeds and plenty of trees, there was one he watched for decades. He watched it and he nurtured it and he grew it and he grew it and he grew it, but he knew it had a purpose. He knew it had a reason and he grew it and he grew it and, and eventually it grows into this full tree. And as it grows into this full tree, the same one that watched the seed go into the ground is the same one that sent the water to water it, who sent the sun that would shine on it, that would watch it sprout and watch it grow leaves and watch it grow branches. And, and the God from all eternity watched one seed. And listen to me, Jesus himself watched the seed that would grow into the ground that would eventually become the tree that he would die on for you and for me. Jesus loved us so much that in all of his knowledge, in all of his power, he went there and he nurtured the very tree that he would die on so that he could restore you and I back to himself. Listen to me, but he didn't die and stay dead. He is very much alive. 
And here, here is my question for you. What are you choosing today? Are you standing in the shadow of the cross of life, still consumed by whatever it is that may own you? Are you standing in the cross, the shadow of the cross? Are you standing in life? Are you standing? Listen to me. He never demanded perfection. He only demanded your faith. And where you're at right now doesn't have to be where you stay. Because we serve a savior who has died for you and for me. I wanna take you to one more passage. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, this day I call heavens and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you. What does it say? Life and death, blessings and curses. Listen to me, this is what he wants for you. Listen, lean in, we're almost done. Now choose life. Choose life. I wanna invite you to close your eyes with me all across this place. Listen to me, friend. God has carved out this moment for you. With everyone's heads bowed and your eyes closed today, if you're in this room and you would be honest enough with yourself, no one's looking at you and I'm not gonna embarrass you or call you out, all right? but you're honest with you and you're saying, I've lived in the shadow of life long enough. I've allowed the things that are only bringing me shame and guilt to consume me, but I'm ready to choose life. Jesus is calling my name and I'm ready to choose life. Whether you're at home, whether you're in this room right now, I'm ready to choose life. If that's you, no one looking around right now on the count of three, I just want you to lift your hands and say, that's me, pastor. I'm ready to choose life. One, two, three. Go ahead right now. Hands are up all over this room. Come on. Yeah, if that's you, don't be ashamed. This is your moment, friend. This is your moment. Jesus is calling your name. He's calling you right now. Absolutely. Put your hands up. I want to choose life. I'm ready. Give me life, Jesus. Give me life. Absolutely. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray this prayer with me. This prayer doesn't make you saved. Your faith in Christ for your sins is what makes you saved. But let's put words to the actions of that faith and let's pray together. And the whole church will pray it with you. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. I know I've messed up, but I believe you died for my sins. But you didn't stay dead. You rose again so that I could see you and I can be in heaven. And so I believe in you. I give my life to you. As you call my name, I choose you. I choose life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's give it up for all those that prayed out today. We celebrate with you. Awesome, awesome, awesome.